0: Welcome to another episode of Marvel Cinematic University, the show where we talk about everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm your host for today, Jay Christie. My other co-hosts, Anthony Canton III and Jerome Chang, are both away for this episode because they have better things to do. Of course, I'm kidding. There is nothing better, and nothing I'd rather be doing than talking about the many exciting projects in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and to replace them, not that they can be replaced. I am joined by two wonderful guests. The first of which, if you're a fan of the show, you've heard before. He's a friend of the show, Dalbino Osorio. Dalbine, how are you? Doing well, and I'm
1: super pumped that you that you brought me in to pinch it while, you know, AC and He Who Must Not Be Named is off somewhere in his multiversal travels. So I'm super glad to pinch it tonight.
0: Exactly, yeah. Jerome is completely just traveling the multiverse. We never know where he is, but that's no matter. The other guest we have is a first-timer. You know her from her writing on Den of Geek the great Mazna Shazad, Mazna, how are you?
2: Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, we wanted to have Mazda not just because she's really talented and, you know, great at what she does, but because she is both a Pakistani person and someone who, tell me if this is right, according to your Twitter, you live in Jersey City as well, right?
2: <laughs> yes, it is. I live in Jersey City, yes.
0: <laughs> and so, being that you're basically the ideal audience member for the show, uh, anytime we have a new guest on, we like to ask... How they felt about the show before the episode we're talking about. So, what's your reaction been to the character as a whole, and then the first four episodes of Miss Marvel in the MCU? Yeah,
2: yeah, I like to. I I, when Miss Marvel showed up and the comics, and uh, we were looking at this Pakistani American superhero from Jersey City. um, And I right now I'm living in Jersey City. I just like to think about it as like I am basically Kamala Khan without the super. Worse, and also 10 years older, perhaps. <laughs> so I like to think of it that because I'm literally from Karachi, Pakistan. So everything about it just makes sense to me, right? And I'm a fan. I'm a huge Avengers fan. I love Captain Marvel. I love Iron Man, which Iman Willani loves, right? Um, and the series for me, I think personally, it's such a huge deal because um, growing up, I only saw white characters as superheroes. Like I remember my favorite Avengers movie was Avengers 2012, and you saw all of them <laughs> being white. And um, I didn't realize how hard it was for me as a child to envision myself in those shoes. And seeing uh, Kamal Khan um, become Miss Marvel, I was ecstatic because this is a girl who speaks Urdu, the same language I speak. She eats the same food. She wears the same clothes. She has the same family issues that I do. Um, and seeing her represented like that on screen, it was just amazing. And I think the best part was also seeing my, my city um, in the MCU um, being highlighted there. I think having that there, just like, I, I was crying throughout that episode. I was just like, I cannot believe I get to see this in such a big franchise.
0: This episode obviously dealt with a very serious issue, the issue of partition, Um, and I was wondering if, as it was kind of leading towards this, um, were you, you know, not excited is the wrong word, but anticipatory to see it on screen, or was part of you worried that, you know, given that it's such a big franchise, that they weren't necessarily going to handle it correctly? Um, Since, like I said, since this series has kind of been leading up to this, uh, how did you anticipate it and how do you think they the results panned out
2: i think um they've been hinting at partition uh throughout the series and every time that they discuss it they've been very sensitive about it from like saying that every family has a partition story um and they're always sad like and from handling um how nani uh traveled um from her uh, from India to Pakistan, I think they've handled pretty well in in the partition when it starts off i um just like that scene where you know the ending where Kamala was just like in that where everyone was in the train and everyone was like trying to get in to you know the, it was the last train trying to get in to Pakistan. it was haunting um because you hear stories and you hear stories from your families you um, I've seen movies that are in Pak, based in Pakistan and based in India, but not in Hollywood. And I see all of that, uh, but seeing that presented in the MCU, it was a big deal. And I think Sharmi Tunai who's the who's the director, and she's also from Karachi, so seeing that she has also listened to all of the stories, and also I did an interview with her for Den of Geek, and she mentioned how. She started collecting stories uh, 15 years ago, um, and she launched the Citizens Archive of Pakistan, which is sole aim is to have all of partition's archives and, like, trying to study it and all of that. So I think it was so detailed and everything was so detailed. I think they, they did justice to it. The only thing that I would I would say that I'd like to see more was probably the mention of Muhammad Ali Jinnah, who was uh, pivotal in the... Uh, Pakistan's creation and um, Muslim League, which was one of the parties that um, kind of wanted that, that kind of freedom. So I think mentioning him would have been great because I know they mentioned Gandhi, but um, I'm assuming that's for because more Americans know of Gandhi than they would know of Muhammad Ali Jinnah. But having that there, I think that would would have been more interesting.
0: Yeah, and I think that it is an opportunity to give more history um, because it's not like the specifics don't matter because that's clearly what it's all about. Um, and I think that's so much of what makes Partition and the other historical events like it throughout the- the colonial world is the fact that the specifics do matter and that the people there, like it's not, that these were not events that were just, you know, happening at random that they were, they were important people that the people involved in these stories would know. But, um, Dalby, and how do you think that, uh, like how, how did you feel when you saw the episode and it started off completely detached from the previous storyline? Um, how, how do you like the way that decision?
1: I loved it, man. I, I think what, what, um, you know, and, and Mazna said this about just like this collection of stories culturally, right. And I think that's something that I think all our cultures can relate to all black and brown folks can relate to, right. Like there's things that stick out, right. Um, And I know as like a person who's not Pakistani, right. But like, I know of the city of lights, right. Because like, I read about it in college, right. Um, And I think the constant theme that we're seeing through this phase for Marvel is just love, man, like, and and, and the role of love, and whether it's familial love, or, you know, unrequited love or or just love that's just moves these stories along because, and I think it was, you know, it was interesting because like I, I remember watching last week's episode and thinking, Oh, I was like, is. Was Kamala, was, Kamala, was Kamala the one that who like you know who who made the lights happen that led her to the train you know, and it was mm-hmm. kind of something that I was thinking about and so having her play a role in that was really beautiful man because like I I've you know I'm, I'm from the Dominican Republic I've heard stories from my elders who say things like that like yeah no it was really you know I felt your great grandmother leading me here I felt your great aunt leading me here and so to see it play out mm-hmm. in a superhero show I thought was really really cool to see it play out with a brown skinned girl from Jersey City. And like, you know, I spent a good three years in Jersey City when I was younger, too. Right. So that's a real Jersey City. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So that was really cool. I also love the fact that we're getting. And in and the, the Western world, for lack of a better word, is getting to see these actors that you don't typically see in American shows, right? Like, or in American, you know, mediums. And I think that was really cool. I thought Aisha did an, the actress that played Aisha did an amazing job. Like, I felt her distrust, but I, and then I felt like her love felt real, like her falling in love and wanting to be safe felt real. And then her not being able to say goodbye to her daughter was so sad. It was just really, really heartbreaking. Um so I, I thought it was I thought it was amazing. I also think the the really cool thing about it is that for a lot of people, this was their first taste of what partition was, right? Like, not, like I, I think for a lot of white folks too, right? Like they, to them, it was just a story in a book told through a colonizer's eyes. Like that was kind of what it was for them, right? And even then you weren't getting really the, you know, the, the gist of it. And I think seeing folks crammed into trains, right? I, it evoked a lot of images for me that I, I absolutely love the fact that they started this episode that way because I was worried a little bit. I was like, man, it's the penultimate episode. How do you start to stick the landing? Because we know it's moving towards something, right? But I like that they gave that part of the story its own chance to breathe. I, I loved it. I thought it was yep. a really good choice.
0: And I think because we compare basically any time the MCU tries to do anything important to how much they fumbled the ball on a show called Falcon and soldier. And I think that what we were worried about was that they would, not that I actually was didn't think they would do this, but the danger always is that you do the Factor and Soldier thing, where you introduce a problem or historical issue, and then you don't really say anything about it. You just kinda just say like it exists. And I like that they engage with it. They didn't just keep referencing partition, that they're like, no, this is a thing that needs to be engaged with. It can't just be a buzzword we throw out there to get a couple articles written about, oh, the MCU is the first thing, you know. And I think putting people there really was important, and especially having it Initially, not just through Kamala's eyes. That it wasn't like she her getting like a magic school bus lesson about partition. We saw it from we we met characters, we got an emotional attachment to them. Cause I mean, I immediately like this it's a story that we've seen a million times, like an alien person finding a kind, you know, person who they fall in love with. That that's a very familiar story. And then we immediately see that broken up by this tragic event. And now, Mazna, I want you to talk a little bit about um. Delby mentioned uh, the actors that play um, Aisha and Hassan. Uh, now, these are not actors I was familiar with um, because inf- blind, uh, Bollywood is a blind spot for me. But I saw a lot of people, yourself included, celebrating them. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, how what their general role is, who they are, and how you feel like it was to see them in such a big Hollywood production?
2: Uh, I would I would like to mention here that they're not Bollywood actors per se because Bollywood is an Indian media industry. They're, right. they're Pakistani actors, but yes, Fawad Khan, who plays Hassan, did do uh, some Bollywood movies, uh, but he has traditionally done um, television shows, movies in Pakistan, some Indian movies. He was also also actually in a band. Um, that's how he started before. Um, and Mehvish Hayat, who plays Aisha, she is phenomenal she is such a great actress seeing her um like like uh that have been mentioned like her emotions just change from like being fearful and like strong to being like that having that romantic flirty angle like it just changes and i i want to like take a moment to like praise the amazingness that is for khan um mm-hmm. he's Gorgeous, <laughs> he mm-hmm. is a gorgeous person, and I was waiting. I, I started going. It's been like one year since like the rumor was Fahad Khan might be in Miss Marvel, and I literally tried to see every bunch of video that they would put up about Miss Marvel, just trying to see if he I, I can get catch a glimpse of him, um, and I couldn't. And people were like, "Oh, maybe he's not in," and I was like, "No, I don't believe it. It's it's happening. I I want to believe it's going to happen." Um, And seeing him and Fawad Khan, the great thing about him is like um, he literally takes on any role for any period of time and he just makes it his best role ever. Like um, so when Miss Marvel, when we start off seeing him as a freedom fighter, where he's talking to his people of his village and trying to trying to uh, portray how uh, partition is necessary and how we should follow through and then switching to him talking to Aisha, where he's lending a helpful hand to her and then switching that to him getting angry uh, about how no one would give milk to his wife no one would take fruits from him flowers from him sorry um seeing all of that like his emotions just fall through and you you fall in love with him well I've been in love with him for a while but for new newcomers they fall in love with him in that moment and I think seeing both of them come together their chemistry was so important so beautiful and so realistic like a nineteen forties mm-hmm. love story, even if it was for a short time, I wanted it for a whole episode. Honestly.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Just, just yeah, seeing that, a- I would be like. I'd, I'd enjoy it. Like, come on, give it, give that to oh, me.
0: For sure, and I think that it is like casting is so important in roles like this because you do need to immediately buy. Well, for one, like from the very like you see him come up, and you immediately understand why someone from another world would fall in love with him both because he's incredibly sensitive and because he looks the way he does. Um, But, and on top of that, I think you just need really good actors because they need to convey a whole movie's worth of romance in a few short scenes. And you need it to feel like that you're watching something special and that you do need to care as it goes on. And as you mentioned, we see the time jump where, you know, after they have a child and, partition is going on and there are obviously all these tensions and I, I really like the way uh, wakan plays the difference in his demeanor because he's so sweet and so generous to start and you can tell that the five years in difference has changed him fundamentally um, not fundamentally but like has really strained him in a lot of ways um and, and so this is when Najima shows back up and um, W how, how are you the the this final night scene um, and I'll come back to you uh, Mazda of where we see kind of the decision made um, for uh, Aisha to leave because she's found out Um, how do you think they weaved the real life events in the storyline of the world and the specific uh, Aisha storyline with what she needed to do I, I honestly I think
1: that it, what it did for me was it, it conceptualized in a very real way the, the the very real decisions that people who went through partition had to make. And I, and I think that's like it felt real for me. It felt like this was a decision that a lot of moms and dads and uncles and aunties had to make to send their child ahead with maybe one relative while they stayed back. Right. Um, and it's interesting because like I, I after I watched the, the whole episode, like I, I definitely felt like the, um, and we'll get to this in, in a bit, but it, it, it ties to the point that I'm about to make. I felt like the, the, the part on, Earth Prime, for lack of a better word, not in the past. I felt like that was kind of rushed, like it was wrapped up a little too neat for me. But the one thing that did stand out for me, again, is this theme of love. And this time it's a mother's love, right? And it's and it's it's Kamala's mom and the love that she has for her. Then the relationship that Kamala's mom has with her own mom, right? And then here it is, Aisha choosing to say, you know what, go protect our daughter. I'm going to stay behind because they're never going to stop hunting us. And in a lot of ways, it's, it. you know, we talked about this the last time I was on about just these, like, intercultural, like, dynamics that exist between, and, you know, like, the, the word clandestine, folks in the shadows, right? Like, all that, like, these, the ostracized folks of the culture, right, are, are, there and so here it is like Aisha made a decision to sacrifice herself she knew that she wasn't going to make it back she knew she wasn't going to be able to convince Najima like hey let me go let me go be with my daughter and the fact that she knew that and still chose to do that anyway I think mirrors a lot of the real world decisions that people made through partition
0: uh Magna
2: yeah yeah I agree with that and I think um it also kind of showed that threat that a lot of uh people who migrated had and that threat could have been you know like riots it could have been a family emergency it could have been anything to be honest but like that necessity to leave your home uh your life that you've spent years in you were born in to leave that and go to a new place where you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know what's going to happen on the way um i think it was necessary to show that and i and i like that they introduced Najma as that threat to her family, where Mavish, uh Aisha was like, you know, I need to uh, protect my my daughter, um, and and you see that reflected also in the comics because um, when they show Hassan and Aisha and um, Aisha's father-in-law, they migrate to India, they the the one uh, migrate to Pakistan. The one thing that they constantly talk about is keeping their uh, their child safe because um, Aisha was pregnant at the time, and she prayed that she wanted the safety of her child more than anything while, she, while they migrated. And I think that's reflected so beautifully there with her sacrifice because she literally um, paves the way for Miss Marvel and Kamala to be who, who she is. Um, mm-hmm. She's the one who gives her that
1: chance. And and yeah. if I'm and well, I was gonna I, say, and if I made it, because you because no, 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 you no. mentioned Falcon and Winter Soldier, and, and to Mazna's point, <laughs> um, because I because I agree with you, I thought that they could have handled this real world stuff better in Falcon and Winter Soldier. They've nailed it in, in Miss Marvel. But one thing that I think that we've seen in these shows is kind of like this, this thing about legacy, right? And just like here it is, mm-hmm. Sam Wilson stepping into the legacy of a very cis hetero white hero, right? But Mm -hmm. isaiah bradley's the one that has that that you see the stories right like listen like this is what they did to black army men this is what they did to us in the in the 40s and 50s and Mm -hmm. 60s and i while they didn't handle it as well in falcon and winter soldier in miss marvel i think it's it's similar it's that it's it's what you're seeing is to to mazda's point is like listen like i'm going to sacrifice myself but i need to do this because it's going to make you, the hero that you need to be in order to be able to stand with Carol Danvers and, and, and everything that you're at this world that you're about to enter, because right now she's still a kid. Right. And this is Marvel's first time doing really a coming of age story for a hero. Right. Like that, like with with Spider-Man, it was in the backdrop of the Avengers, but this is, I mean, post Endgame, Right. And, and it's a, it's a young hero being born into that world, so to speak.
0: And I think um, an important thing with it too, is that it, Really, it was not the main focus of the episode, but I liked the way that when uh, Aisha and Najima were talking, you could just feel the contrast between someone who has felt the love that Earth can provide and someone who is too focused on trying to get back to another world to really have any sort of emotional connection, you know? Like, th- that... It's not so much that, like, I should stop caring about her fellow uh, clandestines. Uh, it's that she realized that there's something more important and that, like, that is ultimately the divide uh, between uh, Kamala and anyone, any of her enemies, really, is that, like, she d- understands the fundamental truth that the people around you and your family is, tr- that trumps all. And so, like, yeah, I'm sorry we're not going back to the nor dimension, but I have a child and I love that child more than I want to get back there. I'm sorry. And I think that that is like a very important thing to show because that kind of, well, I still think the show has not done enough to elaborate on its villains. I think that that contrast really highlights what they're, they are the thing they are lacking that makes them villainous, that they are lacking the recognition that the people you care about are more important than most other things that you in the world. Um, but yeah, I, and I thought that the way that the scene was staged was really it, it had even though obviously is very real, it had an almost otherworldly quality that like you were seeing it through the eyes of a child that there were a lot of low angle shots that it was completely chaotic like there and there there's no big master shot where you could see i mean there's a lot of master shots, but there was no point where you could tell what was going on, and I think that that was very intentional that you were never really sure where each character was that there was always people pushing because that obviously is the reality of it, and that especially when we are in the eyes of a child is terrifying in itself, you know? Um, and then of course we cut back to reality. Well, not well the present and we realize that, uh, you know, Kamala is there, uh, for a particular purpose. And, um, I can't be the only, I definitely got some, uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of basketball vibes of, uh, she is the person who she's been hearing about. um, but uh yeah i thought it was even though and i'm not going to comment on it further because i don't want to get in the weeds even though it does once again screw up how time travel works in the mcu i am so glad it happened because it's so sweet um and i think what you were talking about earlier Doug, being about legends and stuff like that it is just so kind of poetic um it, it must how was it is obviously uh the bangle has a bunch of different powers and aspects um how was it that like How did you interpret the fact that it was um, that, you know, Kamala was called so many years in the future? Like that that's how the magic bangle. Was it because she happened to be a family member wearing it? Like, is there a way that you've been thinking about how that worked?
2: Um, I think when Aisha says what you seek is seeking you, it's just I think it was a power of love there more than anything. That's how I saw it at least okay yeah um and and talking about like how i perceived the whole time thing um i understand the mcu end game rules um that we that's like I a wormhole. Uh, you, you can
0: get into these weeds if you want <laughs> but you don't have to <laughs> hey i i
2: would i would just like to say hey it, it, from where i'm seeing it and from my perspective um she didn't change anything that's the whole bit like you can't change anything if you change anything it branches out and i'm just like but she didn't change anything hassan didn't see her the only person who saw her is dead so like literally it's you're relying on a child's vision here or memory and
0: what's cool about that that isn't yeah well, I, say- I like that point yeah. a lot. That's- well,
1: and I was going to say, what's cool about that is that that's exactly what, what Scott Lang said in Endgame. He's like, you know, we don't gamble. We don't change anything. Like, don't talk to our future <laughs> selves, right, or, or you know, our past selves. And yeah. I, I think, to, to Mazin's point, and I mentioned this the last time, like, in Endgame, and and Kevin Feige and even the uh, even uh, Matt Waldron, the the writer for Loki and and for Doctor Strange,
0: Michael yeah. Waldron. But I, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, what um what he said during Loki was that in Endgame we were we were hearing the time travel rules through how the Avengers under, understood it, but in Loki, what we heard is like the real rules. Right. And, and that's, I, you know, and he, who, he, who remains said it, he was like, he started to say it and then Reed Richards said it in Dr. Strange. He's like, if you stay too long, it causes an incursion. Miss Marvel did not stay too long in 1940s, you know, in, in, during the partition time, she just, you know, to Mazda's point, literally paved the way for her family to continue on their path and then went back home. And so I, I, I hope that at some point we get like a cheat sheet of coherent rules for time travel in the MCU, but it does make sense to me in terms of, because we're not having, like nothing's happened yet other than Cap fighting his own self, right? Like in in Endgame, we haven't had anything where we could see a scenario where we're like, oh, they really messed up the rules there until we got to Doctor Strange where he stayed on, you know.
0: Okay. So... So, I wasn't going to get into these, but I have yes. my theory of it. Yes! My theory of it is that the, the thing we're introduced, the general idea we're introduced to in Endgame is that when you change something in the past, you create a new timeline, right? And so, the thing that actually makes this not fit into Endgame rules is not what she did. It's that by Endgame rules, in the second episode, you would never hear the story about Nani following the stars because by Endgame rules, the stars thing wouldn't have happened yet, right? But what I would say is my explanation would be that the first four episodes take place in the take place in the already new universe that was made after it was changed, so that there was a universe where Kamala didn't do that already, and the, so that story is not heard. But this universe we take place in it was branched off already since it takes place in the past. That is just me covering their asses and trying to make it make sense. But ultimately, the thing about time travel is, guys, it it's doesn't like, have to
1: make sense. Obviously,
0: there's like. <laughs> Yeah, there's like possibilities of like this and the other. But thing is, since it's not real, it can be anything. And so well,
1: and as you said that, as you said that before you go, like as you said that, like I might because again, the one thing that hovers all this stuff is Kang. Right. And so for me, I'm like, okay, remember, he tells the Lokis, everything that you've done, I've paved the way. So is it one of those things where to your point, Jake, it hadn't happened in episode two, but Kang knew this was going to happen because, you know, Miss Marvel has a role to play in the Secret war ahead, or something like that.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. I think that they, the great thing about Marvel is they give themselves a lot of get out free cards. And um, also, uh, if you want a podcast that really cares a lot about this sort of stuff, I'm sure you can look and find it on Apple. Anyway, Mazda. <laughs> uh, well, what, what were you going to say? Uh,
2: I, that's. I like the idea of the clothes too, because it's it's the same question that we've kind of been pondering over: what came first, chicken or the egg? Right. Mm-hmm. So here, it's like she was destined to do this. This is something yes. that she had to do and she didn't change anything. So I'm sticking yeah. with this till they tell me my oh, theory no, I, is absolute yeah, trash.
0: The important thing is that what you are saying is no matter what is emotionally correct. Because I think what this show has done really well, I think. And I think that there are some places where it does not work as coherently. But I really like the way that they make her magical abilities base expressions of love and culture. And that like, The idea of, like, the idea that's very prevalent in most cultures, truthfully, every culture except mine, of you're really supposed to care a lot about your elders and, like, they're really important to you, that is physicalized by making her go back in time and saving her grandmother. I think that that, I love when subtext is made text as i said a million times in this show and i think that that is what's powerful about it so how it actually fits into the mcu time travel rules is not important the fact that it's like this is her she's literally becoming more one with her culture by literally saving her grandmother (laughs) um i thought it was great um
2: yeah and the impact on her because of that like understanding that she saved her family um, and realizing that you know how she's debating like am i a superhero and you see those texts that she sent to nakia she's like i don't know what i was thinking and all that and now you realize mm-hmm. you just saved your family you are here because of your yourself you know and that's so impactful like just learning that you, you realize okay you are a hero kamala
0: mm, exactly um and so is anyone else because i want to move back on to the uh, the present portion but if there's any other notes anyone has Going once, going twice, sold. All right, we're back in the present, and we cut back to where we last were. Uh, looks, it appears as no time has passed, um, which is always fun. Uh, that would be really crazy if something happened where you had like a full hour long experience, and then you were just a minute, a second later. Like I don't know what how I quantum happen. Rome. I probably quantum freak out, anyway.
1: Rome. Quantum Rome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dabin, do you have like, does your daughter ask you questions about her math homework? And you're like, the way it relates to the quantum realm. Well, because you mentioned my daughter.
1: Before I came up, I, I told my daughter I was like, I have to go do this podcast. Yeah. And she knows who you, AC, and Jerome are. Yeah. And she's like, but she goes, with Jake? And I was like, yes, with Jake. I was like, I have to go explain the quantum realm.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I I got fans all over the place in all demographics. Um, anyway, so we see, at the, in addition to bring uh, Kamala back to the past, a portal of some kind has been conjured. And I'm not super well-versed in the comics, uh, as, you know, uh, Mazda, the whole dynamic of the show was that I'm the one who didn't read the comics, which is why it's always funny when I'm the person who's the only one left. Um, but talk a little bit about, if you could, how this relates to the way that the Nora dimension is physicalized in the comics, or is this something that's completely whole cloth? Because it is they don't give a lot of information about what's going on. I assume they will next week, but I'm curious about what, what insights you got from it when you're watching that bit.
2: Here's the thing. I have not read the Clandestine comics. Um, and I the first time I heard of them was here. And when okay. I go, went back and learned about gins and how they're portrayed in those comics, I was like, yeah, I don't need to, need to read that. I'm good. Um, but I will Completely say- understandable. Yeah, I will say that the rip itself, it, it kind of reminded like the, the way that the, the Najma died and her, uh, I forgot her name, um, the person who died. I think it was mm-hmm. kind of related to uh, how non-Inhumans died when they were in contact with Terri mist Mist. Um, so it felt like that's where the show was heading. Um, and they've been hinting at, she might be inhuman and then they bring this rip and it kills the non-inhumans the same way that a uh missed it. And I'm just like, are you just mm. go ahead and say it out loud, right? Like, I don't understand. Like, you keep giving hints in every episode, but you're just scared to say it. Like, what is happening? Um, but yeah, that's how that's how I saw it.
0: Uh, Dobby, I saw you nodding. And whenever you see Dobby nodding, you gotta go to him. What, what, what were you exactly
1: nodding? Exactly. Because as I watched it, I was like, that looks exactly like when folks come in contact with the Terrigan Mist and then they, because you're not worthy or whatever, you break and turn it to stone. It's what we saw in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Like, it's exactly what we saw in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think I think Mazda's right. I think, you know, and I said this when I was on with you guys a, a couple weeks ago. I think we're going to learn that this talk of alternate dimensions is just other worlds. I think that's what we're going to learn, right? Like I, we saw it in Mm -hmm. Shang Chi. There's another dimension, right? And folks and demons are trying to come out of that. We have, you know, uh, Doctor Strange ends with him and Clea going into, you know, the dark dimension, right, to go deal with Dormammu and whatever nonsense Mm -hmm. is going on there, and. It's, I, and I remember watching Doctor Strange and thinking, wow, it's fascinating that, like, the incursion that she wants him to go deal with is in that dimension, not on Earth. So, what happened on that dimension mm-hmm. that caused this incursion? And then now here it is like, now we're in Ms. Marvel, where we have very clearly there is another dimension through this rip. And yes, it's closed right now, but I'm not so sure that it's completely closed. And Mazda's spot on. Like, when, when, when I saw them turn to stone, I was like, uh, that's it. That's, that's Terrigan Mist. That's what that is. And I'm, I'm with Mazda. I'm like, just say it already. And you can also, and I think what Kevin Feige, I think should realize Feige, Feige, whatever way you say it. Cause Jake, you always correct how I say people's names <laughs> oh
0: oh. as if
1: I'm not, as if that's not a nice, it's a though. genuinely <laughs> kind of, new, but no, I think, I think using, um, using inhuman, as like this almost like derogatory term, right? And not necessarily so much as a placeholder for the X-Men, but there are now people populating this world, this post-endgame world with abilities and powers and all these things using the word inhuman to describe it. I don't think that, I think folks are going to relate to that. And I don't think it's going to set you up for failure. But to your point, Jake, earlier, Marvel gives himself a bunch of get out of free, get out of jail free cards. And this is one of them, because they can easily brand all these, all these folks inhumans.
0: And I think the thing with that is, I think this is where me not having the background is useful, and rarely is, but sometimes, that in in the way that like there was obviously, it was touchy with using the word mutant at any point, Inhuman just doesn't have that baggage because most people have no familiarity with Inhumans. And there's not going to be an uproar if they call some people Inhuman and don't call them others. And I think that having that as an organizing principle would be good, especially if they're going to introduce mutants. Because you want to differentiate su- every superhero that's a mutant and every superhero that's not a mutant. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that um, it was, it, you know, the deaths were very visually interesting. I was a little disappointed at how, while I understood that uh, Najma was giving her power to Kamran, it wasn't like, I wasn't really, well, the power of... The nor to it, what was going on there was not clear, and I know they're going to explain it next episode. But part of me was like, it kind of just makes the last five minutes confusing. And sometimes I think that Marvel, when they do TV, they care more about the reveal next episode than they do about what actually is on screen. I don't know. Did you guys follow along? What was going on with that sequence?
2: Yeah, more than the time travel. That's what's what confused me. I was like, wait, what? What is what is going on? I I think. Mm Or what I would like to believe, I think she kind of takes whatever her noor is. It travels to Kamran through mm. the mist. Um, mm. I don't know how that happens and how they're going to explain it in the next episode. It was kind of weird, like just because he's in Jersey, I don't understand. That's not how the mist works. So um, yeah. and maybe, maybe there's like a like like a, a portal that, that they used or something that we don't know. Yeah. Of.
0: He, he used portal DHL because <laughs> he was shipping international. I.
2: Exactly, but that's the thing. In episode four, when they come to Karachi from Jersey City, it's so fast. like no, no flight does does those. That's there's no
0: direct. There's no direct flight from uh, EWR to uh, I don't know what Karachi's, but yeah, there's no. I don't think that that's a flight. I've flown a lot out of uh, New York airports, and that's not e- you could take.
2: Even even if there, I I know there would be not a direct flight, but I know there there's going to be a stopover. But even that, right? Like it's too long. Karachi's traffic. It's too long. Like what? I do think that th- maybe there's a portal. That's how the mistravel because that's that's how it works. It doesn't yeah, work. like that, that would
0: that would make more sense. Um, but then I think the important reveal of the second bit of the episode. Is that we get the moment where uh, Kamala is, you know, that uh, of course her mother find utilizes the phone tracking software, um, which you know, <laughs> definitely not not a thing that uh, my mother's aware of, but she uh, utilizes that and finds her, and she finds out that she is, uh, I believe, she calls her the Light Girl, um, <laughs> which I think that there is the problem that some people criticize the MCU about, where like there's just very few secret entities. But I do like this moment because I do think it's important to have the moment of recognition among the three of them that like she was not really that the the fact that Kamala has the powers serves sort of as thing to bring them together. Whereas when a character finds out about another character's powers, it almost always is a thing that drives them apart. And I like that this was different.
2: Yeah, in the in the comics as well. Um, when she finally tells her mom that she is Miss Marvel, she's just like, "I know, like I always knew, and I knew from the start." Um, and that moment where she says, "I'm so proud of you," um, that was so heartening to read. That's my favorite part of the comics, just like that bonding moment. And I'm so glad that they showed it where Muniba's um, face—you can see it on her face why she's so happy and she's so proud, like she can't believe it. Um, just, just having that was, was so endearing, like seeing that. Yeah, and, her, and when
1: she says to her, she's like, she's like, I told you we were magic. And I thought that was just, I thought that was a really touching thing. I mean, like, and you know, and AC and I have talked about this a couple times, like just the, the role of parents in this, in this show. Right. And to your point, Jake, like, you're right. There aren't any secret identities, right? Like Iron Man kind of blew the lid off of that. We know who everybody is, but we have, we are now in this post world where now nobody knows who Spider-Man is. And we're now going to enter a world where I I can't see, you know, her parents, Miss Marvel's parents saying, yeah, let's tell the world that we know who you are. Like, you're she's still a brown Muslim girl from Jersey City. And so that if anything, they the pride may make them even more protect, like pr- uh, protectful of her. Um, but I loved that line. That line stuck with me. Like, you know, uh, I always said we were magic, like our stories were real. And I thought that was I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, I will. I and, will
2: add that when uh, when the mom comes and she's so worried, she's like, "Is your hand okay? Is everything okay?" And then she stops and sees this guy behind her with her daughter. Right. And she's like, "Who is that?" And I swear to God, like I, I felt like that was my mother. Her worries go away, and she's just like, "Who is this boy with you?"
0: Yeah, I. That is just this perfect stuff, perfect comedy. Um, and then so the last bit is that we see that, uh, Kamran is, uh, he takes, you know, he, he hides out with, uh, Brian. I mean, Bruno, um, which, you know, it, I, I, I think this is a, it's fun to pair them up and kind of gives Bruno something to do. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, um, I, don't know, I, I, uh, I'm interested to see how this goes because obviously Bruno's store got blown up, which is like something I hope they don't gloss over because that's horrible. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it definitely leaves a lot of possibility for the next episode. Um, is there anything about that storyline that you guys found particularly uh, compelling or exciting? For I you think two? going back
1: to what Mazda, Mazda mentioned about um, about just what I... Because in, in the comics, uh, Kamran's or, origin is that the Terrigan bomb goes off and that's how he gets his power. So now I wonder if seeing the Nord dimension and what happened there, I wonder if that's... This Earth's version of a Terrigan Bomb, and that's how he gets his powers, right? Um, mm. And so, but I think one the part we called to Brian, and he's like, "Let's just start from let's start from the beginning." I thought that was really funny. Um, but I also think mm. I think recentering Damage Control as like the the villains here. I th- I think you know Jake, we had talked about this, and you you mentioned this earlier. Like the villain has been a little unclear here. Like, is it this group of? Inhumans that have been, you know, trying to get home, right? Trying to get back to wh- wherever it is that they're from. And I, again, Tony Stark is to blame for everything, man. And and you know, Damage Control here they are yeah. blowing up stores and targeting brown people because Tony Stark would have been there on January 6th, man. I'm, I'm very fed up that Tony Stark is not getting his 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 due as a villain of Marvel, man. Because this was nonsense. The minute I saw that droid pop up, I said, "Yep, there it is, Tony Stark, even haunting us from the dead." But I, I think, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna, I think. We may find out that that's what that was. That was a Terrigan bomb that that essentially activated his inhuman gene. And now he just has these powers because I think one of the things that you see is, A, he's now being targeted by this group that very clearly has started to round up, you know, superpowered folks, right? Um, You now have Bruno involved in it, and Bruno's not going to let him just... Be caught. He's going to try to help him, and then now probably next episode we'll get Miss Marvel trying to save him. But maybe they go in different paths because he may blame her for killing his mom or for not saving his mom or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So I, I'm excited to see how they stick the landing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, to to your point about like him blaming her though, like it just seems like very far fetched to me because here's your mom trying to kill her every <laughs> every minute that she was on screen. Um, and then, if she defends herself, or if she, if your mom dies, and because she's stubborn to let go of that, you, you're gonna blame the girl. Um, that wouldn't make sense to me. That that would mean Kamran is is someone that we didn't think he was. Um, mm-hmm. And then to the to the point of um, him being like villains in general in Miss Marvel. I think, or or as I saw from the second episode at least, I thought that this wasn't a story about um superhero versus villain i think it was a story about how this girl becomes a superhero or she comes into her own and i and i like that they that they're kind of putting the focus on the department of damage control from when you see them stepping and disrespecting the mosque right um and then right now when they're after this girl and they're targeting muslims um i think that is very needed and it kind of uh reflects on the discrimination that muslims would face in the united states um and i and i want them to show the profiling and i want them to show uh the how they discriminate between these these people um and i think and and i i know that the last episode is too like little for that they need probably like more more for that but i i would still like to see that more than kamala fighting najma who looks exactly like her
0: yeah i think that that is a thing i'm hoping for too um and uh you know i'm i'm excited i think there's a lot of different places they can go and i think the fact that we know uh that kamala is you know gonna be in the marvels and is gonna be a character around for a while uh we don't need every story to be wrapped up um and so i think that this is that's the thing that a lot of us have been anxious about with the other finales of these shows where it's like oh my god they have all these you know plates in the air how are they gonna but with this like they really just need to wrap up this specific storyline and she's not going to be a perfect, full, fully formed character by the end of the show because she has a lot to grow. Um, so I'm excited to see how they do that. Um, you know, if there, is there any one prediction that I'll give you one prediction for what happens in the last episode? Mazda, what's the thing that you like your gut is telling you is going to be up exciting thing that happens in the last episode?
2: Ooh, only one, though? <laughs> I mean, do you can I, give,
0: I just want to make sure that you're not taking it from me or Dalby, but you can give me multiple. Uh,
2: okay, um, I just do. I know that her costume is gonna um, mm-hmm. is gonna come about, and I and I, know, and I know that, or well, I hope that her mom is the one who makes it. Um, and then I'm hoping for a cameo, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just even if it's like a post credit scene, just I want to see her interact with Captain Marvel. I, I really want to see her fangirl over that. That would be mm-hmm. interesting
1: to see. And Debbie, um, so I think I I'll go I'll go bold and then one safe I guess. Uh, one I think I think we do get the inhuman word. Um, I think I think we find out that that was a mm-hmm. Terrigan bomb um, that essentially went off. I think I think that that's what we're gonna get. Um, that's the bold one and then the safe one. I I think we do get a cameo. I I will say though. I. I don't know if it's Carol yet. I don't know if it's Carol yet, but <laughs> it could be photon. <laughs> could, could it could be photon? Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I think one of the one of the interesting things about just the way this phase is unfolding is that we don't we don't have exact timelines lining up yet right like we don't know if like the end of one division happened while this was happening so you know she's off in space and she can't meet her but Mm. i think we're going to start to see some timelines lining up and i think i think we get i think we get a really kick-ass cameo and i think we get the word inhuman and, and we start to barrel towards that
0: uh i'm gonna steal my prediction from ac who could give it himself but he's not here <laughs> uh, I think that uh, Agent Deaver is going to be revealed to be a scroll. That's something that he's been saying forever. And once again, if he was here, he could say it himself, but he's not. So, you know. And then my bolder prediction: I actually do, I don't think Carol's going to show up. If only not because I think that'd be bad, but because I think they would save that meeting for like the first act of the Marvels. But I th- I would like some type of cameo just because I feel like. I feel like the it's always nice to have like an idea of how things are gonna to come together and I think even just having her meet like someone lower level in the universe will at least give you like would you know tease her involvement because obviously like people know that she's a cast member of the Marvels but I think from like if you're just watching the movies and shows it's fun to be like oh my god she's getting a level up she's gonna be on the big stage now um so I'm hoping that that happens but yeah I'm excited I think that this show has been really enjoyable so far and uh, we've said it a bunch and this episode wasn't mostly about her so it hasn't come up but Amon mom is magic on screen um and uh i don't know um i just i've been enjoying this a lot i don't know about you but it's just been a really fun show where you don't have to worry about how it connects to everything else i mean you can but you don't have to um, and it's just been a really joyful thing to tune into everything. Uh,
1: every yeah, and week. I think I'm I'm super excited to see because you mentioned her interacting with Carol and and you know these heavy hitters. I'm really excited because I think she's I think I think her future lies with like Haley Stanfield and like the the Young Avengers, and that I'm super excited for because I think them two on screen together is just. And you you mentioned this point when, uh, the last time I was on Jake, and I thought it was such a poignant one. You have somebody who has never acted before, first role right out of the gate. And is delivering like this. And you put her with some like really, really talented cream of the crop actors and actresses. She's just going to develop into this, um, continue to develop into this amazing talent. So I'm excited for that too. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the great part about Iman Volani. And I I think just just to mention, um, I am only slightly worried about like large scale uh, movies here where she is in. Because I do want them to really also delve into like her culture in that larger part, because we've seen so many diverse superheroes coming in in this phase, right? So like all of them together, it would be beautiful, but I hope they handle it well.
0: Yeah, I think that there is a way, especially when you give these characters that have been developed by directors who are of the culture that the character is, that when you hand them over to whoever's doing the big project, that they kind of send them down. Um, I think that, that definitely is something to be worried about um and i hope that uh i hope that since you know the there's a lot of criticisms of the way that marvel is such a well-oiled interactive machine hopefully all the inter- interactivity they're just exchanging notes but that is that is not uh that is a completely understandable consideration because i they've done it before with other characters where they've sanded down the version that we see in other movies um but yeah i i'm just excited to see whatever happens next uh and i'm excited for people to hear this episode i want to think or guess First and foremost, friend of the show, Dalbino Sario, Always on super
1: it. glad to be on, Mazna. The fact that you write for Den of Geek, I've been reading Den of Geek for so long, for so so long, and so this was this was like a, oh. a geek out moment for me, uh, for me because I've read your stuff. Yeah, I've read I'm so your stuff. I'm a big fan, uh, which now makes me sound like Spider Man in, in Civil War, but big fan. Uh, you guys can <laughs> follow me on Twitter at da underscore Osorio. You get politics, Jets football, some Yankee stuff, Mavericks ball, um, mm-hmm. and also a ton of Marvel stuff. You know, and so I'm just really excited for this face because I think it's bringing Mm -hmm. us back to the infancy of the MCU. And I like that. I I, I didn't think that it was possible to kind of break it back down after Mm -hmm. such a big uh, event like Endgame. But Super, always glad to be back with you guys, man. And
0: Mazda, where can people find you? Where can they find your stuff?
2: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My Twitter handle is uh, Shz, and Instagram is Mazda.ShaySad. Um, and you can check me out on Den of Geeks' YouTube channel where I'm covering Ms. Marvel for their Marvel stand-up. Um, and also, um, I just want to point out, because Ms. Marvel has kind of brought out Pakistani music um, to the screens, um, if anyone's interested, I made a Spotify list. Um, it's free. It has all of my favorite Pakistani songs. Um, and if you want to check it out, um, you can see it on my Twitter.
0: Yeah yes yes wonderful endeavor it's always great you know uh, when these big shows can introduce different things you know uh, stranger things gave people kate bush and uh miss marvel's giving people pakistani music it's beautiful um <laughs> uh, so uh you can follow me on twitter at the j Christie. you can follow the show at mc university pod we have a patreon where we have an active discord where i can tell you as this pod has been going on there has been a lively discussion from people who have seen thor love and thunder um which is exciting and also annoying because I don't like reading people who disagree with me and that's why I don't usually engage. Uh, But anyway, uh, if you saw love and thunder, you can listen to our podcast, which will have been uploaded already by the time you hear this. Uh, It's an hour long. It's our first reaction and we're going to be having a ton more love and thunder discussion. Uh, We're basically going to be bringing anyone on who wants to talk about it uh, because it's a big movie and there are some opinions on it and uh, people have opinions on it so tune in to hear that uh but more importantly uh tune in next week as we talk about the finale of miss marvel uh we're really excited for that and you know just uh follow the show just engage we love hearing from you guys and uh have a good week